0: brings us all together for a night will all remember. cheers by the way cheers, to, cheers. to sam <laughs> to sam thanks <Nice laughs> for being here my brother thank you for inviting me around the dinner table ah so today's guest is a bassist guitarist pianist songwriter and producer with the sexiest hair and show business He and his two brothers, Joss and Jake, along with their childhood friend, Danny Wagner, make up the already legendary rock band, Greta Van Fleet. He's toured around the world, playing on some of the biggest stages, including performances on Stephen Colbert's show, Jimmy Fallon, SNL, and even shared the stage with the homie, Elton John. He is a Grammy winner, who's always rocking the stage. Barefoot, baby. Coming to us live with a lobster and a beer. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Kizka.
1: Let's go, Sam. Thanks
2: for having me, guys. This is a great Saturday night date.
0: This is a great Saturday night date, man. The fact that you have the white piano behind you, I feel like at some point during this, you might have to turn around and, and play us a little ditty.
1: Oh, yeah. I've got,
2: I've got, uh, I got Jimmy showing up in you know, 20 minutes. He's going to play some lounge piano. Relax. Ooh. Smoke a cigar or two. I like that. How do, you, uh,
0: how do you like this beer, by the way? I know, I know you're, you're a beer connoisseur to some
2: say. As in uh, I drink a lot of beer? I would, uh, I, would, I, would, I would say that's correct, yeah. Yeah? This is wonderful. I, I am an IPA fan. I mean, when you're looking for, like, f- beer that tastes like something, IPA
1: is kind of the way to go. Yeah. What do you find yourself drinking on the road normally and stuff, or, or every day? What do, you, what do you usually tend to go to? Beer, wine, liquor?
2: Well, that's funny because I've been through all i been through all the phases, and the last one that I was going through right before touring stopped was beer. And you know what's wrong with beer when you're playing an hour 45 <laughs> show—that you have to pee. I, I've had to pee in dumpsters off stage. It's like, oh, it's drum solo time. I got to piss.
1: <laughs> so what do you? So yeah, when you're in a show and you really do have to pee, do you just? quickly walk off stage or do you, like, what, what have you, you know, cause I've had, I've done that in a show where I've had to walk off and pee. So I totally understand. And I was almost questioning, do I, do I pee my pants or something? Like, do I, to keep going? I don't know what I, what I'm supposed <laughs> to do.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully I like to think that we're professional enough to not have to put ourselves in that situation, but it does happen. And actually I've <laughs> peed behind my bass amp before.
0: No. In the no. Cup. no. Uh, during the show. Are you serious? With your base still on you?
2: <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like...
0: Oh. <laughs> that's incredible. It happens
2: sometimes. That's but incredible. yeah, and beer, because it's not, it's not too easy to overdo, but I feel like whiskey. Brian, do you have a drink of choice? That's a, that's a good question.
0: Uh, I would, like a couple years ago, I probably would have said whiskey. These days... Uh, whiskey got the best of me and it was a great time I can't complain about that at all uh, but these days I, I would say it's, it's, it's beer but I-, I don't necessarily have like a specific beer that I go to all the time it's always changing
2: I know, you gotta keep it rotating Yeah. what kind of dogs do you have Sam? we've got a big old pit head and we've got a little mutt girl lab mix they're so cute. They're so cute, dude. Yeah.
1: And I'm assuming your lady takes care of them, you know, when you're away touring, or do you bring them with you? What what's the deal?
2: She doesn't let me. I always say that I'm gonna take the dogs, but No, no way she will. No way.
0: <laughs> Young Jeezy is the most loving dog mother you will ever meet, and there's no way in hell that she would ever let Those dogs go with Sam on the road. I know that for sure. I thought the dog's
2: name was... Oh, no, no, no. Young Jeezy, yeah. Good girl! No, dude.
0: Stevie Nicks. That's one of the dogs. Yeah. They're looking at me like, okay, what are you going to say next? Stevie Nicks? Yeah, we know the singer.
2: That's the whole thing. That's the whole
0: stage. That's it. Yeah, that's all I got. That's one of the dog's names.
2: What's the other dog's name, by the way? Named after powerful women. So Stevie from, you know, kind of off of Stevie Nicks and Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Rest I in love peace. that. That's powerful. Beautiful
0: woman. Rest in peace. Hey,
1: cheers to that. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to Ruth. Bader. To cheers Ruth. Bader. Cheers. To 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 yes, yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers,
0: brother. Dude, so let's move to this lobster roll, man. So we, we send you the, the Get main lobster roll. And tell me about the special ingredient that you chose to, to put on
2: this. I went up to, I went to Turnip Truck. Oh, huh?
0: oh yes. I love Turnip Truck.
2: I love, I yes. It's made by Haven's Kitchen. It's called, it's Zippy Chili Parisa. Mm. Oh, bam. Boom. That's my sub- hematoma too, right there. Ooh, is that hematoma?
0: <laughs> That's not a painted nail? The, the rest are, the rest are plank. Wow.
2: It's a lot of style. No, but yeah, I just, I like a nice, zesty kind of thing. I'm, really into peppers and yeah just like that mm. but yeah it's nice and smooth and it, i don't know i just thought it would compliment it kind of give it like a creole kind of feel i'm mm.
0: um, so should i should i dip it should i dip the roll into the sauce or should i drizzle the sauce
2: on top of the roll i just committed i went for it i just Drizzled around.
0: You went for full drizzle. Okay, Chef Sam says full drizzle.
1: Full drizzle. <laughs> Put it on. I. By the way, I just looked to
0: my right at Alec, and Alex, I, Alex is I'm already, already gone. <laughs> all, <laughs> uh, I,
1: and, and I'm gonna be honest again. We've had a lot of different tastes with with different people's choices, and I gotta say, uh, this wow, this really goes. You get a little sweetness, the spice. It is money. Mm.
2: Do you have a personal favorite? How 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 did you or how would you customize
0: this, Brian? Okay, so growing up, eating lobster, it was always the 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 main style of may like you know tossing the lobster and mayonnaise. But, classy man, very classy, but I almost revert back to that's it's not classy like i feel like the classy thing is you get the fresh lobster you drizzle the butter and you just need a little seasoning on it and it's fine actually this tastes real this Hariza sauce tastes really good on it
1: Um, (laughs) uh well mine's already gone yeah yeah yeah. i I probably could i could i probably could drink the sauce with it so wow this this might be my number one pairing so far. Number one? This That's a be- full
0: statement. This- so I'll be honest. So, Sam, let's, let's, let's talk about when we started the show, we said we will be very deliberately honest about how we feel about each ingredient that each guest brings to the role. So the fact that he just said that this is, this is your favorite right now. Is that, I is think that it's my favorite. And,
1: uh, and, uh, and Scott's was really good. He had some hot sauce and some basil. Yeah. But I got to say, Sam... I think you have the number one taste right now. The flavor with the lobster roll and stuff. Mmm. Wow. That really goes together. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's not a competition, though. It's not a competition. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, but we might have to carry on with the Sam Kids roll.
0: I think, I think we have a thing now.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: That's so good. Mm-mm, delicious. This is rad.
0: I'm enjoying this a lot. What actually. do you What
1: do you normally find yourself eating on the road and stuff? Well, it it got a little difficult uh, three years ago because I went
2: vegetarian, and of course, I make exceptions for a lot of uh, shellfish, especially and uh, just you know fish in general because I'm a big sucker for seafood. Um so after show food is a very strange thing because you get done and it's going on eleven thirty midnight mm-hmm. and sometimes if you're playing little tiny towns, <laughs> you know, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, you don't know what you're gonna get. So touring food is like crazy. I would prefer some Indian, some uh fresh kind of Asian food, uh even sushi's really good for you know staying light, not being too weighed down. Um, but yeah, the times that you have to eat, are, you have to like really plan it out. It's like, okay, so an hour before a show is good. It's not, you don't feel weighed down and you don't feel hungry half the through. Um, so yeah, all kinds of stuff, but that's, that's what I did. I mean, I love food. Uh, I think that's one of the best things about traveling around the world is t- getting other people's, uh, interpretations of, uh, what food is and what food means. Uh, to the culture and uh, the home.
0: What have you missed the most since this past year? Obviously, you've been off the road because of the the crisis. What have you? What food have you missed the most when you're on the road?
2: To be honest, I would say seafood, like yes, yeah. because let's say we're traveling through the West Coast. Let's say we're you know East Coast, Gulf Coast. They're all good. Yeah, but uh, you. Know I think here in Nashville, there's very uh, limited options as, as to, you know, what fresh fish is, uh, fresh oysters and stuff. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. I mean, you're going through, stop over at Boston. and I mean, every time we stop through uh, Boston, we sit down for some oysters. Yeah.
0: Do you remember any spots you actually went to in Boston? God, I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to text my brother, Jake, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll revisit. We'll uh, revisit. This. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs>
1: What about growing up where you guys grew up in, in Michigan and stuff? Did you have any favorite spots? You grew up in a really small town, right?
0: It was Franken... How do you pronounce it? Yeah, Franken- 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 Frankenmuth?
1: Or Frankenmuth?
2: Frankenmuth, yeah. Yeah. super Um. And it's, it's kind of funny. It's known for this uh, Zenders, uh, world-famous chicken. And our joke was always you got there and you tasted it and you're like, this isn't that good. <laughs> it's not, they never said it was good. It's just world famous.
0: Oh, they just, they had the title. Great branding.
2: <laughs> Great branding.
0: Thank you. Good job,
2: guys.
0: Yeah, well Good done. Job. Well done.
2: But no, I mean, around us, there really is not much. There's a new development in Frankenmuth, new as in like three years or so, called Prost. And uh, every time I go home, that's a place that I find myself uh, getting into. Uh, Because, you know, the Midwest, I mean, there's just not a lot of uh, kind of vegetarian ideals there.
0: Yeah. Is is the Prost based off of, isn't that cheers in in German? Yeah. That's Prost. Okay. Prost! Prost! Prost. Prost. Hey, Prost! Prost! Cheers, my brother. What's up, guys? As always, thank you for listening, and I promise we'll get back to the episode right away, but I want to let you know about something special we're doing. Here at LMB, mental health is very important to us. So we've collaborated with today's guest to create a custom t-shirt based around subjects that we've talked about in this episode and other important topics in their lives. If you go to our website, lobsterandbeer.com, you can purchase the t-shirt and 100% of the profits this month will go to a mental health organization. Now, back to the episode.
1: And with that being said, and where you grew up, and I feel like, again, we've even seen it here a little bit. I feel like you guys and you yourself, you have a real rebellious vibe to you and stuff. Oh, yeah. Did that kind of come from, you know, the you guys wanting to build that in your rocker image and homage to the old school people? Or did that come from you guys growing up and where you grew up from?
2: I think the latter. I think um, sometimes I feel really silly talking about social issues that are very much real. Yeah. Um, because I came from such a sheltered community uh with so much opportunity and i mean we got out here in the in the real world very quickly i mean we were playing bar rooms at 13 years old uh like real (laughs) like real ugly stuff
1: but but at Um, 13 so you were playing for what like 30 year olds and stuff rocking out
2: oh yeah probably probably much older than that (laughs) lots of drugs uh like you would walk in the bathroom and you, I you know I saw people hit and blow off the toilet seat uh at like 12 years old. Wow <laughs> in a little white's bar in uh Saginaw, Michigan. Um where was I going with that? Well yeah, but I think I talked kind of talking about opportunity. Um but once we got onto the, the the world with this great opportunity to you know go out and uh be a part of this global society and uh, having a, a way to go and see different cultures and go to see how different people live and the, the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich and everything in between. And uh, I think that's kind of uh, the job of, uh, of an artist is to understand uh, the social climate, the political, political climate, and uh, be able to talk about these things. But, uh, I, perhaps not provide answers. I mean, that's not our job as artists to provide answers, is to uh, identify issues. Um, and I think that there's a lot to say about this uh, generation. But as far as with goes, I would say uh, that it was a very organized, normal, ordinary community. And I think that really gave us this sense of urgency to rebel because we always felt like we were being, you know, put in this box of a uh, society, like where there's a lot of social norms, like, oh, you know, you can't dress like that. You can't wear Hawaiian shirts in uh, in December. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, but yes, you can. So it wasn't hard to stick out in Frankenmove and, and be different. And uh, I think that's kind of what I fell in love with is being different. I I mean, that's the beauty about humanity, isn't it? Every person is a snowflake every person is unique
0: absolutely man and does that
1: and does that go into you i mean you guys in general have you you have such a unique style and such a beautiful style and it's it's we don't see that nowadays and stuff people really branching out and they're scared to do that so so you know with the way you guys dress did that come from you guys wanting to be different and everybody being so similar where you came from or stuff, or where did your guys' unique style come from, and yours specifically?
2: I think it was just a, a, a real kind of expression thing. And that's what I love about clothes, is that it really, you, you can dress a certain way, and it lets people know exactly who you are and what you're about. Oh, yeah. And this, there's kind of initial reaction that, you know, somebody else will have the, the way that they'll perceive you. And, um, I, you know, I think that we all kind of emote that we don't really fucking care what people think.
0: I love that, man. I feel that through knowing you as a person and your artistry when I dug into the band and got to learn about it, that authentic, just realism and honest truth that you guys radiate. From who you are as people. I mean, we just got done talking to Scott Avett, and and it's the same thing, and that's why I love the Avett Brothers as artists. You guys share the same thing, where it's you're not in this for catching your five minutes of fame. You're just like, yo, man, my brothers forced me into the fucking garage to play bass when I was younger, and I started playing bass, and I have all these influences, and and it's just it's something I love to do,
2: and it's beautiful, and I love it so much. Thanks, man. We're going we're to end up getting real sappy. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. it. I know, dude.
0: I fuck it up every time. <laughs>
2: every time. Every time, yeah. Brian and I always get into these real deep kind of intellectual uh, talks about, you know, the children. And the, you know, <laughs> as you're handing a, a, a picture.
0: Minute. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm throwing up kids. the picture right now. Yeah, but we're good.
1: I, over but the picture. Over the picture, though, those really talks really do, do come out and stuff. And I guess that's something to say about sitting around with, you know, again, it's looked at sometimes negative as drinking. And again, yes, not all people should do it and stuff like that. But there's something to be said about the community ship and the conversations you have over having a drink late night and stuff like
0: that. We almost, uh, we almost joined the, uh, the mug club at, at, was it Frank, Franklin Tavern?
2: Franklin Tavern. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We were convinced. God. We were convinced at one point. We we're like this. We're gonna be here at like 70, 80 years old. <laughs> yes, that's our mug on the wall, little <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> I <I'm gonna> come sit. <laughs> well, so
1: what does the Sam mug look like? If you had an ideal mug, Ooh. what is what is what is your mug? You know, your grand mug that you're holding in your hand, drinking out of always. Have you ever seen uh, the classic German Stein? Of course, um. my last name is Schlegelmilch, yeah. so I I understand the German Stein. <laughs>
2: In it? My buddies at school used to we would we would go to Goodwill and we would collect all kinds of giant obnoxious mugs and use them at school, <laughs> just like doing the most obnoxious shit we could possibly do. Like you take it out, set your giant mug down, pull out like your tea tin and like. A, <laughs> of hot water and like sit there and make a hot tea while everybody's trying to pay attention it was hilarious
0: that's awesome
2: but yeah i was i was a collector there for a while what else did you collect just mugs, mugs. just mugs, <laughs> <laughs> <Same> <laughs> mugs. Wait, so, Sam, what's your mug <laughs> collection <laughs> right now oh man it's it's sitting back home and my parents have <laughs> my
1: it's <laughs> taken up a lot of space, i got to believe. Mugs aren't that small.
2: Dude, so what's the significance
0: for you and Frankenmuth with um, Fisher Hall?
2: Fisher Hall. Um, it's a very special little music venue. Um, I guess it's not particularly even a music venue, but I remember as a young child going in there and watching the old people play <laughs> music. And my grandfather played accordion in a polka band all his life. He's, he's in his early 90s now, and he hasn't played in years, but I think that's where kind of the musician's lineage in our family starts. Yeah. Uh, our grandfather, who's a first-generation American. Wow. And um, so I remember going there and having this kind of this wonderful experience, then coming back to it much later in life. And we, uh, there's something so distracting going on. It's a train horn, but I know it's an E flat because it's in the same. <laughs> really, <place. Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> is it really? Is yeah. that is that E flat? Is it? Can you E-flat? play it? Yeah, match it to him.
1: Yeah, match it to him. <laughs>
0: like, we'll get back to the piano. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, is that a but, that's yeah. that's an East Nashville train flying through right now?
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And also, it's raining like hell, and I just got a flood warning. So if the house starts going sideways, then you know what? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I've
1: been beer there. Beer in one hand, sliding down with the water. Yeah. In the hey, other.
0: don't let the beer go down. By the <laughs> way,
1: <That's>, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know when you're like drunk and you like fall, but somehow the beer but somehow you keep
0: it up. It's like this was more important than my head and I again though
1: you you as a rocker i feel like you of all people know how to take care of a beverage in any situation and how to you know carry a beverage in any situation possible
2: of course yeah we would always put a champagne on our rider not because we wanted to drink it but because we wanted to spray it <laughs> <laughs> i love that
1: what else <laughs> was on your guys rider what else yeah. what, what else do you guys like for pre-show
2: well we used to do a fruit plates, but we didn't eat it because they always, you know, put sugar on the fruit. So oh, we switched to a vegetable plate, which we also don't eat.
0: Because it's not, yeah, <laughs> it's not fresh. We've, I've done the same. And it never tastes that good.
2: No. And then Blue M&M's. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You should, though. What, what band was that that did that? Was in their
1: One of them was in their contract and where yeah. they had to take out. The reason they did that, though, was because they had such a heavy stage that they would sink in certain places like the ground. Okay. And so they wanted to put that in there to see if people actually read their contracts 100%. Mm. So it was just a test to see if they read for every part of their contract, because again, their stage was so heavy that it was sinking in certain you know, floors and stuff. Oh, wow. so, so that was a test for people.
2: Right down to the most minute of details. I guess they're not that big a dick. I mean,
1: mean, could you imagine being that person, though, having to pull out, you know, just whatever, the brown M&Ms or or whatever? (laughs) God bless him.
2: But, yeah, we always have a bottle of whiskey. Um, I used to be really into gin and tonics, but that ended up poorly one night. So, and you know how that goes, right?
1: What's been your favorite place, since, of all the places you've hit that, that you've traveled to.
2: I don't care where I am as long as I'm with Brian.
1: <laughs>
0: my heart, <laughs> dude. Stop. You cannot make me cry on my own show. It's not allowed.
2: Well, uh, let me think. Ooh, also, Jake texted me. The Union Oyster House.
1: Union Oyster House.
2: Oh, I
0: love that spot. I've been there. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. It's, at the, it's underneath the hotel.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Union Hotel.
2: Yeah, the Union
1: Oyster. So house. Union Hotel, Greta Van Fleet, Sam, Kiska, he loves you. Give mm-hmm. the man free oysters next time he comes. Yeah, where's we the free you?
0: oysters, man?
1: Where's my oysters? Yeah, where's my, where's my
0: oysters? I want free yeah. oysters.
1: We've we we never done
2: oysters together. We should do that. I would
0: love that. Can we do oysters in Boston sometime soon?
2: Oh, yeah, man. Let's do it. I do want it to be known, though, that we're going to be doing some cool shit together, um, you and I, Brian, in the, in the coming years. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we're not more talking to uh, an audience right now, but uh, when you're a musician, it's really weird because you don't go to work. You just kind of hang out with people and you, you have to spend a lot of alone time thinking and uh, creating. And uh, Brian and I have had a lot of great late nights just up in the apartment with his uh, piano and doing some writing. And sometimes he'll play some guitar or we'll just put a chord progression together and do some demoing and uh, some really cool stuff that's come out of it. And I think it's really cool, uh, the fact that it really stretches my uh, creative scope because I work in a very specific realm. Yeah. And so when I'm kind of doing something more – in a, in, a, in a hip-hop sense, my, my brain works the same way, but it's applying it into a different genre. Uh, and, of course, genres are just constructs. But uh, <laughs> I think it's really cool that, you know, we can, we can work together on different uh, perspectives.
0: Yeah, that was one of the beautiful things that, that I've been graced by your presence and I wanted to talk about because aside from... You know, everything you do, playing bass, keys, organ with, with the band. Man, you're a producer. You're a songwriter. And I, I'm, I'm just curious, like, wh- where does that fit for you now in your life today, especially since the band's been off the road?
2: Well, it's rough, man, uh, because it is very much the whole fact that I am a functioning member of the band. And to a certain extent, we are all producers, and we know exactly what we want That's true. our to sound like. Yeah, and uh, achieve those tones, and not only uh, that as a producer, but cutting the fat on stuff. It's like this. This, I, in full disclosure, I think it's better to go further than shorter. Yeah, always go the distance and pull back. Uh, if you're pulling back, that means you're in a good position. Um, but we haven't been recording in a, in a long time. Of course, when I was out in L.A. and I came to visit you, we were out there for like a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were working on a lot of stuff, a lot of filming and uh, using that part of our brains and that part of our uh, creativity uh, to do something different. Uh, but that was the last time we did tracks. We did the last two tracks for the, uh, the album. Wow. So, yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot producing wise but we're trying to get some demoing out and uh you know we're working on the the next record too
1: yeah and And what what's the do you have is it you know kind of this along the same lines of what you guys have been doing are you trying to branch out into little different sounds because again for for me you guys really represent a lost Generation I and mean, it just it it really resonates with me watching you guys especially on stage of just between just the way you carry yourselves the way you dress the way your sound is so you know is are, are you guys still staying you know is there new sounds coming out what is what what is the new album going to sound like you think?
2: Well, the battle at Garden's Gate is a very cinematic album. We went to producer Greg Kirsten and we said. Because we were meeting with different people to see who you know, we resonate with and who we can uh, really work with and be honest with at the end of the day. And we came into Greg's uh, house studio and we were like, Greg, you know, we want to make a cinematic album. We want to make something that's really big. Um, and he was totally on board with it. We talked music and we talked our favorite records like Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies. Yes just like these perfect records in the Village Green Preservation Society. And, you know, we were by the Kinks and we were all just so on the same wavelength. And uh, yeah, so we worked with Greg on this and he really was able to take our kind of, you know, sonic landscape uh, thoughts and apply them to that texture, like recording onto tape, um, using his extensive knowledge of like, pedals and racks to be able to create these tones. Yeah. In these, uh, because I, really, I think that when, uh, from an engineering standpoint, from a sound perspective standpoint, you can sit there with your eyes closed and listen to the song and you're somewhere and you can see it. And I think that's really what we wanted to do for this record. And uh, so, yeah, we definitely did something that was really ambitious. Compared to our previous projects, and we really went all out and some track some, some songs have 80, 100 tracks on them wow, lots of Ultron, lots of guitar overdubs, lots of live strings um, but the live take and the soul is still there yeah and yeah that's kind of, that's kind of the whole idea behind the Gardens Gate It's kind of the soundtrack to a movie that you know hasn't been. Maybe.
0: Have you guys started to,
2: to play with how that will translate live? Yes, and that's what we've been doing for months, and it is <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <laughs> bet, but it's probably so much fun. But knowing you, because you, you go from bass all the way back to the, the organs on the keys, then back to bass, so I can imagine that it's probably a little stressful just to learn that transition on, through all the songs.
2: Right, jumping back and forth, and it's kind of like a language thing. Like, you're, like, kind of changing kind of a language a little bit.
0: Yeah.
2: But the most challenging part is, you know, I'm playing a Mellotron part over here while, like, <laughs> doing the organ and the bass pedals. And, like, I have, I'm have i changing tones as I go. That's so, sick. But that's, all, that's the thing I've always loved about the organ, uh, that you could create this massive sound with just one person. You could be doing rhythm in the left hand. Yeah. And you could be doing lead in the right hand with a different... Uh, bar setting yeah you could be filling in that bass while riding all these controls like a spaceship oh dude i so love fun. that
0: have you ever had a like a gopro uh above you while you're playing all that stuff on the keys
2: yeah yeah i think we had that for uh red rock we played red Rock. Oh, uh, dude
1: we watched your performance, and, again, that's, again, why we are barefoot. Yeah, and that's why we went barefoot. Yeah.
0: We saw Sam as he's... We knew he would be. We knew he would be. We were geeking out, bro, man. We were watching that video. And-
1: so what is that? Again, is that just a continuation of comfort that every single time you play, you again, it's just... Because like in that barefoot. video,
0: I think you were the... He was the only one. No,
1: and Most of Every... Performance. Yeah. It seems like you're the only one. None of your brothers take them off, or Danny doesn't take them off.
2: It was always a thing for me, especially on starting early. I couldn't get the vibrations through my feet
1: oh, because okay.
2: it was so fucking loud that I couldn't hear anything that was going on. Yeah, with my own. so I really relied off of the vibration off of the stage through my through my
1: feet. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, because that's so not what I would imagine. I, I would have just assumed it was for comfort and stuff. So again, to know that it was for something so technical, that just that blows my mind.
0: Have you ever gotten a splinter on a stage?
2: Yes. Or well, not necessarily a splinter, but walking off <laughs> the dark stage and nailing your toe on some giant piece of metal.:
0: Oh, dude. That's- and you're like on this whole high coming off stage. You're like, oh, we just rocked this show. And then boom, big toe <laughs> stubbed. I can't feel it. <laughs> I can't feel it. <laughs> Is that what happened here? Your, your hematoma finger?
2: <laughs> well, what happened was I needed to go up to my car to grab some stuff. And we already had a night. And I was like in bed, going to bed. <laughs> And I was like, okay, let's get this over with. So I just got out of bed, opened the door, closed it. Oh, no. My finger.
0: Your finger was there. I know.
2: I question, I-, I
0: question if that's a true story or you put Sharpie on your finger just so you could flip me off every time you feel like this interview is not going that well.
2: <laughs> nice. It's pretty good. It's a good bit. Fuck you,
0: Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's up, guys? If you like what you're hearing today and want to dive deeper into the lobster and beer world with us, head over to our website, lobsterandbeer.com to join our Patreon. You will gain access to exclusive video content, monthly giveaways, incredible discount codes from Get Maine Lobster, opportunities to join us on air with our guests, and so much more. But that's not all. This season, one lucky member of our Patreon family will win a trip for two to come hang out with us in Phoenix. Flights and hotel included, courtesy of the homies at Get Maine Lobster. We'll bring you out to some of our favorite breweries in town and of course eat some lobster rolls together. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to lobsterandbeer.com to join our Patreon today. And now back to the episode.
1: Can can we go back can we go back real quick though too? And I remember hearing a story about how your brothers used to have to drag you into the garage when you were young and you were the one hesitant one. Did you have an idea of you wanted to do something separate when you were younger or, you know, music wasn't your passion or what was your hesitation there? Yeah, man, I wanted to go into
2: astronomy. I wanted to um, study the stars. I wanted to find new planets. Um, I really wish I could have been part of the generation that has an opportunity to go to Mars, which by the way, they're alive right now. It's It's happening. It's
0: happening right now, which is incredible. It's been so cool to watch. The rover landed.
2: Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, you can listen to an audio transmission from Mars. I was actually doing that like four hours ago. I was looking at the the surround images that they, they took and like. That's really cool stuff. And that's, that's always what I had a real passion for studying the, the galaxy, studying the universe. Um, so could you, could,
1: could you be the first rock, the first rocker though, on Mars? Maybe like if Elon, well, if Elon gives you a ticket, will you go? <laughs> and again, you could maybe put on the first, sh- the first show out there.
2: That would be amazing. You'll sign Metallica, up for it. I know Metallica has played all seven continents. They played a show in the, The Arctic, um, with just through like headphones and stuff, because you know, jamming Metallica volume would disrupt the uh, oh, that would that would yeah, the ice would crack, yeah,
0: definitely crack the ice,
2: yeah, (laughs) we'd have icebergs going everywhere at that point. Well, yeah, that's their claim to fame, but yeah, maybe Mars.
0: I don't know, but do you think, like, isn't I mean, Tom DeLong from Blink 182? He's doesn't he have like a, a whole his whole alien sector with NASA? Have you? Have you ever I, read anything? About well, that? I
1: know that he has sat Super in the bus. I've heard stories about him sitting in the bus on tours and just staring yeah. out the window for like hours and hours and hours and talking yeah. to like Travis Barker about it.
0: Yeah, you got competition. Interesting. You got competition. Yeah,
1: I know. But so, but yeah, so at some point, do you still focus? Do you want to? You know, again, you you have this. Do you still look? You know pay attention to the stars and the moon and stuff. Do you, obviously you said you're watching that stuff. Is that still a big part of your life?
2: Yeah. I mean, the big stuff is really awesome. Like seeing the Percy is every summer and, um, being in touch with where the technology is at, you know, being really excited to see these photographs of like Pluto. I remember I was watching this like space, uh, show like the cosmos back when I was just a little chilling, Just a little, little boy. <laughs> about that high off the ground and um it was like it said and this satellite will go past pluto in the year 2019 i was like
0: Whoa. yeah was like yeah
2: and yeah. years and then it was finally i got to see it <laughs>
1: There's almost those similarities, though, to space and music and, and again, the discovery and the unfoundness. And, again, I, you could draw a lot of parallels, I feel like, from both. It's cosmic, man. I mean, there's something about
2: um, the universe that's just so unexplainable. Um, also, quantum mechanics was something I really got into. Yeah. Uh, essentially How particles that are so small interact with each other. And one particle can interact with a different particle, fucking hundreds of millions of light years away, and it's this insanity. Um, it's this idea that life isn't mathematical. Yeah, it's not a plus b equals c. Not at
0: all. Yeah,
2: and that and that's something that, that you really have to be uh, with as an artist, um, as somebody who is an expressionist. Um, And Brian, I mean, you know this better than just about anyone. Um, And it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Everything is its own independent case. It's not like we can put all this stuff in boxes like our previous generations have, you know, our parents and their parents. Oh, yeah. Um, Kind of with the idea that, oh, this is a binary thing. We'll put this in this box. The idea that gender is A or B, the 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 idea that people are this way or that way. No, it's it's a spectrum. It's a rainbow. There's every little tiny thing in between. Yeah, that's what what we're out here doing,
0: right? Exactly. I I don't even believe in X Y chromosomes, man. It's it's we're just we're energy, and what resonates with me is love. Because we have no idea when this is gonna end. We have no idea when our particles will float off and go to that past the satellite <laughs> towards Mars. Goodbye. We might end up on Mars, which would be fucking awesome. And I believe Manager Matt will at some point. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> Just be ready to do a lot of work.
0: I'm down. I'm down. If, I sh- if my particles show up at Mars, I'm down to like be like a, like a, like, you know, a welder. Like I'll, do, I'll do whatever they need me to do if I show like, up on yeah, Mars.
2: You can't,
1: you can't drink beer at Mars, though.
0: Okay, I'm not going to Mars. This is, I'm done.
1: I'm done. Yep, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. Well, listen, Elon, if you're listening, figure out a way for us to make sure we have unlimited supply of beer on Mars. But I feel like
0: Sam's got my back though. Like if I if I end up on Mars, like if if this this version of me disappears today, and I end up on Mars in the next couple weeks, you're gonna you're gonna send me beer. We're good.
2: Yeah,
1: it'll only take three years or so to <laughs> yeah, get there. Right, the so way. you might have to keep it on a little
0: cool. Can you imagine that that truck just floating through space? <laughs> like, it's like it'll be there soon. You're just sitting there, like, oh man, I mean, I don't even remember what hops taste like at this point. <laughs> you just see it coming towards <laughs> you. you're
2: Like, man, I if
0: there's a lot of beer
2: on that planet. <laughs> <laughs> the the wonders. Most- man, man. Cheers, just- love, man.
0: Cheers.
1: Cheers. Cheers, brother. Oh. Cheers, guys. It is
0: awesome, man. We are we are so grateful to have you with us today, man. Cause I I, uh, I got to I got to meet you last year and, and become friends with you and, and you've been one of the most beautiful souls that I've known in my life and and I told you from day one, not day one, but a couple months into it that I've just been so grateful for for our friendship and for how much love that, that, you know, really vibrates from where we've hung out and what we've done, man. It means the world to me. And uh, Absolutely.
2: I mean, we both went out to L.A. with this kind of non-committal idea of what we were going to be doing or why. And uh, I think we found great comfort in, you know, each other.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you remember the first time you came over, dude. You were hungover. You were rocking shades. You came into my crib. We were having a, uh, uh, I don't know what it was, like a brunch party or something.
2: Soiree. A
0: soiree. A soiree of, a soiree <laughs> Fancy. of some sort.
1: Fancy. And,
0: and you rolled in rocking shades. And I had no idea who you were. And you were just rocking the shades. And I think at the time you were like, I'm just actually really hungover right now. And we were like, this guy's a dick. <laughs> I <know. laughs> no, I, I uh, I from that moment on, when we started talking, I just it, I, I felt an energy from you that was really
1: special. Well, here's another quick question too that I want to know about. So after I think you I, I read or saw you guys after your first album, you guys rented a house in the Chattanooga Hills that was supposed to be really haunted, like a cabin or something. What I, I got to believe you have a wily take. What's your take on, you know, ghost spirits? Did you have any crazy interactions there? oh hell yeah (laughs) that was that was
2: a very very interesting place i i've never been anywhere quite like that um with that kind of energy um yeah it was high up in the hills and you go out on the deck and all you see is billions of trees like more trees than you could ever imagine rolling over these hills and the sunsets were gorgeous and I mean, it was, it was the most scenic, beautiful thing. But when the sun went down, <laughs> the strangest thing started happening. As lightning's flashing, it's like, oh, very spooky. <laughs> but no, it was, it, was, it was a very, very energetic place. And we did, a, we did a lot of great work there. We wrote some of our favorite songs, like Age of Man off of uh, the last record. And there was a lot of strange energy around. There were, And, of course, there's a lot of pictures of, like, from the 1850s hanging on the walls. Oh, shit. Oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> and yeah, you would hear noises, and you would feel a presence. Um, you would, I mean, sometimes I was there by myself, and I felt this. I felt like somebody else was there. Not, like, in a bad way. Not like someone was going to come murder me. It just felt like okay someone else's presence is here <laughs> doesn't bother me it's just like it's another thing I can feel it yeah
1: do, do you feel a difference when you're you guys are making music and stuff and do you feel a difference in that creative space as compared to again being in the city or being in a studio and mainstream again like there's is there something freeing about being out there does that unlock something different do you get different type of music coming out of that Absolutely. And um what that is, the biggest difference is that
2: nobody's around. Just yeah, like, and I think that's the most wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that Brian does too. He goes off, rents a house on the beach for a few weeks, finds some material, because you don't have like these I don't want adulty people around. No, and it's like, no, let's just like shoot the shit, be creative try out some ideas that are probably insane yeah. uh, and see so where we land. And once again, you can always pull back. Um, I think something that we always do is we go into the studio very, very prepared. We know exactly what we're going to lay down and we know why, and we know why it works. We know why the overdub is able to uh, blend with the bass line and the guitar track, whatever. Um, so I, I think that's always been something that's special to us is <laughs> – we call them demos, but they're like full on, recording. Yeah, full on. Yeah, right. So yeah, exploring the possibilities without people around. Uh, so you're not like putting on a show or anything. It's really honest. Yeah, that's
0: but, what I, I. That's why I said I love I love about you guys, and that was one of the things we talked about with Scott earlier. Is that, you know, they they sometimes you perform a song, and it's so true to who you are and what you've been through in your life. And you finish recording that song and people congratulate you on it. And they're like, man, this, this was amazing. You knocked it out of the park. But you're, sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I had to live so much life and go through so much turmoil for this to come out of who I am, for me to play this bass line, keys line, to sing this line, whatever it is to go through that and you know sometimes it's there's such a juxtaposition there with like you know playing as an artist and and wanting to to almost you know to get a reaction from a crowd but at the same time it's like just being who you are and people take that for
2: granted oh no i know exactly what you're saying and i think the whole idea behind that is that you don't want to expose any weaknesses around an outsider. Um, because that's the whole idea of playing. Is there a lot that we don't know about music? Hell yes. Yeah. We know what we're good at? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And are we show the bad parts? Definitely not. And I think that's the whole idea of experimentation is it should be private. Yeah. Um, if there were you know, one producer we felt so comfortable with that we could just do whatever, I'm sure we would do that. But it's the four of us, and we're kind of our own producers for the most part, in that sense, um, exploring those ideas that may be shit.
0: Yeah. I love that. Dude, <laughs> the, the fact that you play in a band with your two brothers. Right, so what's the age difference?
2: So Josh and Jake are... Three years older than me. I'm April of 99 and they're April of 96. 96. Okay. So I have two
0: older brothers. So you're the youngest of
2: three. Yes. I have two. Well, oh, old- actually there's a sister in between too. But. Say that again. There's a sister in between. Oh, there is? There's four of you. Yeah, she's, 18- yeah she's 18 months older than myself and 18 months younger
1: than Josh and Jake. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Well, shout out to your sister. Cheers to her. Yeah, cheers to your (laughs) sister.
0: (laughs) What's her name? Veronica. 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 Cheers to Veronica to having to deal with the brothers.
1: I I don't know if this is, I don't know why this popped in my head, but it was, so I know your dad was a big harmonica player, right? Right. Um, do, do any of you play the harmonica? The first Veronica harmonica that, that flowed perfectly together. <laughs> for me right there. That's why I thought of it. Is there a
0: reason <laughs> yeah. of the name? That's actually a great
1: question.
2: Yeah, man, that's that's an interesting thing. Where do we where do we go from this? <laughs> and, uh, we got the whole uh, early music inspiration. Was our father on harmonica? And every time I hear the instrument, it triggers this insane nostalgia. It's like all I can remember is trying to fall asleep on the ground in a cabin under a table. And I hear this, you know, guitar, piano, bass and harmonica. And it's just like this beautiful, nostalgic thing. And so, you know, I'm really drawn. I've always been really drawn to Neil Young, uh, Bob Dylan, and also all the old Blues guys too, who you know, infinitely played the best harmonica ever, and that's where my my father got all his, his inspirations. And he very intentionally made sure that we knew where that came from. We said, okay, this is classic rock. You know, whatever you would consider that. You know, the Stones, Beatles, perhaps. I don't know Boston. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter, but you, like, taking that and saying, okay, but where did this come from? And so we had the whole musical training growing up. Um, so we were very in touch with that. We were listening to, like, Big Bill Brunsey and Robert Johnson. and yeah. Reed. Um, how do you, so, uh, speaking of Neil
0: Young, man, how do you feel about the album from Neil Young on the beach?
2: Oh, man. You know what's crazy? Is I was at the pub. And somebody that, you know, I respect their musical taste. Yeah. Said, you should, you know, listen to On the Beach Again. Because I tried. And from my uh, musician standpoint, from whatever it was, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really like this. But I came back to it recently. Yeah. And I got and laid in bed. And I put my headphones on and I was blown away. The whole way that I think of music is completely changed. Wow. Uh, Why? And every now now and again, that there's something that comes along that changes your fucking perspective. Yeah. Uh, The Beatles Love album changed my perspective on what music is. That was
0: my childhood. Yes.
2: Oh my gosh. How insane. It takes all this. It It's like a Beatles universe. Yeah. It's like, this whole universe.
0: Yeah. That's a great way to put it because it, it is a universe because it's, it's these different worlds that they created. I, I totally agree.
2: And they were able to take all this different material, all this different floating stardust and combine it into something. <laughs> so that changed my life back in high school. And then this was one of the biggest like crazy moments that I've had on the beach in the past few months. Um, And what changed it for me was the rawness. Um, The really truth to the energy of the music. I mean, there's no bullshit. And especially after we just recorded this giant widescreen cinematic album. It's like, damn, but we could just do the opposite. (laughs) It's so true. Like... um, listening to revolution blues yeah oh and he gets in this character he he becomes a, a different a person interpreting the story um and like vampire vampire blues yep um there's this crazy thing that happens in the track where somebody's going <laughs> <in their mouth. laughs> and it's you know until you hear it you're like whoa that's like somebody's like on my ear right now, listening to that, <laughs> and there's this organ track on that song that's just like, <clears throat> <laughs> it's so strangest thing. But what I can appreciate about that, about that, and the reason that it changed my view on recorded music is that it's so raw and honest. Yes, yes. We, you know we we've been talking about it, um, my brothers and Daniel, and. For the next record after Gardens Gate, we really want to do something the opposite of Gardens Gate, because we just spent a year and a half putting these tracks together, yeah. exactly on a, with the you know five Mellotron tracks and s- extra strings and like drum overdubs and timpanies and explosions. Hmm. And so now, what I think we want to do is pull it back and make it just so unbelievably
1: raw. Yeah. And it just it hurts. I love that, dude. I think there's he, really he, something he, to be, sorry, I think there's really something to be said about that too, though. Again, when, I feel like when you guys were growing up and all the young musicians and stuff, everybody envisions, again, all, like you said, the explosions and everything like that and all the extra stuff. And then, again, once you've had that, it really is something to go back to the raw and, and oh. I like think that's the most beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the idea for now. I mean, I guess the Beatles did it, you know, let it be. Oh, yeah. They said, hey, you know, we got to let's scale it back a little bit. Yeah. After doing four or five albums of huge production, they're like, but wait, where did we start? Exactly. Yeah. You know that Black Keys album, uh, Magic Potion? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's some cool shit. I remember my father was listening to NPR and he found this album. He went out and bought it and he showed my brothers and I. We're like, whoa, this is really cool. It's just guitar and drums. Yeah. It's so cool. I think it's perhaps the best Black Keys album. My dude, I, I have
0: one last question for you. Before we all just hang out and have a beer together, if there was an autobiography written about you today, what would the title of it be?
2: Yeah, yeah, just way, way to lay a real easy question on me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: Take your time. We're gonna, cause then we're gonna, we're gonna write this for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, okay. So if I, if we, if I had a biography written about me, what I would hope that it is, is kind of let's say the, the rebirth of humanity because I very much do think that's our generation. And I, think that, yeah, actually, so I had this thought and Brian, I think I did tell you about it when I was in LA, but the whole thought was I was sitting there in LA in the morning, went out. You know, there's ashes falling from the sky. And I get there for a while, and I, then I was bashed. I was, like, um, I was kind of irritated at the fact that um, some dude, some scientist dude or whatever, gave us uh, the moniker Generation Z. I like, what the fuck is that about? Like, yeah. does, what is this, the end of humanity? Are, are we, does this mean that there's no hope, that we're all going to just perish? Because I do think sometimes. Yeah. And... Then I sat and I thought a little bit more and I actually came to a lovely conclusion mm-hmm. that generation Z is actually a very poetic and appropriate title for, I think, who we are. Because we're not the last generation. We're the last earthbound, uh, we're the last generation yeah. to say, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like, uh, Uh, whatever it is, Uh, gender norms, races. I mean, throw it out all, throw it out the window, man. I mean, we're all, we're all human. And we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, love is that third dimension that we have. Love makes uh, humanity uh, work. And I think that we're the final generation that is uh, bigoted in some way. I think that we're, we're the ones to set up the rest of humanity and uh god i hope uh we can make stuff work and we can understand each, or- each other and love each other and you know stop war and stop hate and uh put this all aside because there's so much art that we have to produce and there's so much love that we have to give the money Ooh. Yes, beer TV times
0: we want to last forever An unforgettable experience Moments spent with all our friends Gathering around the dinner table